Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Remember, Blue Water Climate Control wants to reward all the VolQuest listeners, show their appreciation for all the referrals they have gotten uh, from VolQuest.com. And to do that, they're giving you a discount on all service and repairs, which is really good because it's time to start turning on your AC. And unfortunately, sometimes when you do that, it doesn't work like it should. When that happens, you need to call and do what many others are doing. That's called Blue Water Climate Control. You can go online and read their reviews and you'll see story after story about how other companies tried to fix their problem, but Blue Water is the one who did it the right way and finally got it done. Call the guys who do the right repair the right way the first time. That's Blue Water Climate Control at 865-299-2290. Also, if you schedule a spring heating and air tune-up between with Blue Water Climate Control between now and the spring game, your name's going to be entered into that drawing to win two season passes. That's two tickets to all to eight Tennessee home games Refer a friend and you increase your chances to win. The drawing is going to be held on April the 26th, so that's coming up soon. Call 865-299-2290 or go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to schedule your appointment today and to find out more about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Let's jump right into the questions in the mailbag. A lot of hoops in this one for you, Rob Lewis, so plenty of plenty of basketball to talk about as well as some football in this mailbag podcast, and we'll start with a couple of hoops questions right out of the gate. Um, who are some of the names that Tennessee's basketball program is trying to target in the portal, particularly a list of big men that Tennessee would like to try to get that would help? Where are they on the big man transfer front? I mean, right now, I mean, the literally the only big man that I know Tennessee is, is that's in that is in the portal that Tennessee is trying to get is Walker Kessler. And that one does, I'm not saying Tennessee has no shot there, but I don't think there's a lot of confidence. Like getting. But, um, you know, as far as a legit big man, that's that is currently in the portal. That is the only guy that I would say with confidence that is, is a take for Tennessee and they've had substantial conversations with. And we'll see who else jumps in the portal and how that may or may not change. Because, Rob, I think the feeling is more people are probably going to end up in the portal in the coming weeks. Right. I mean, this thing's not. Not, I don't say a ton, but there may be a few more names that hop in yes. the portal. I would say that it is fluid. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, second hoops question here. With, was this past year's basketball team really as talented as everyone made it out to be? Obviously, Johnson and Springer are great talents. The next two most talented players, Pons and Triple J, but they were average at best offensively. Folky's a good college player, but after that, where's all this great talent and depth that we heard about? Was this team overrated talent-wise, Rob? Uh, no, I don't think it was. It's just, I mean, I think when you look back, if you use the NBA as the ultimate measuring stick for talent, I think when you look back 10 years from now, this team is going to be the most talented that Tennessee's had in, in this century. I mean, I think Keon and Jaden are both going to play a decade in the NBA. When's the last time Tennessee has had two players, you know, that, that, that did that on, on the same team? They were just young. I mean, I think – and I think when you look at what happened Monday night with Baylor, I can promise you, promise you that Rick Barnes noticed that Baylor didn't play a freshman, that they, they won a national title with three, three seniors and two juniors. I can promise you he is well aware of that, and I think that will impact how Tennessee does things going forward. Now, they're not going to turn away Keon Johnson – but I think we, you see the kind of kid they took in the French kid this week. That that guy's a four-year player. I think you're going to see Tennessee 
I'm, again, they're not going to turn away Keon Johnson. But in, in looking back at how this season went, the people that remain on staff here are well aware of the kind of team they won 31 games with versus what they had this past season. So, so not going to be built around a bunch of one and dones. I don't I mean, think so. If you got one, you got one, but you're going to have a, a foundation or a building block of a team. Sorry, AP, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, bud. I was going to say, just to summarize, Tennessee's going to continue to recruit one and dones, but not, they're not going to hang every hat they have on one and dones. We're not going to build a team around them, which is – I mean, I, I don't think it was intentional. You know, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, Fulkerson was a big disappointment this year, you know, the way he played. But essentially – this 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 past year's team had to have the two freshmen show up and bring it every night, or they they weren't going to beat anybody decent. I don't I don't think that Rick is going to build teams like that in the future. Interesting. Be curious to see kind of what they're like. You say they're going to recruit those guys that they have ties to, and and not going to turn guys away. But do they change a little bit of their philosophy from a recruiting standpoint? Um, and again, this was an odd year from the standpoint that you had a tie to Jade Springer. And you obviously had, you know, in-state Keon Johnson, and you weren't going to turn either one of those guys down for sure. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got to get big men that stay in their program. I mean, that, that's the other thing that you look at this team, why it was so dependent on those two guys is they had a number of players that, trans, you know, big guys that transferred out, Rob, that just didn't didn't fit the program or didn't make it in the program. And that, that certainly affected their post numbers and what they look like in the post for sure. Um, all right, on to football we go. Any rumblings of Solomon going back to DB? Sounds like we can barely field a two deep. Not a word on him at receiver. So, yeah, I, Solomon. I agree with this. And I just don't think they're making any changes right now. I think they're just kind of leaving everybody where they're at. I mean, I think right now would be the time to make some change or, you know, you're halfway through spring ball, you know, and, and you know, uh, Kenny Solomon makes as much sense as anything as far as a flip from one side to the other. Um, not just changing positions, but flipping sides of the ball. So he and Lenneth Whitehead. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I would definitely give him a look there. I don't think it hurts. And again, kid can run, can't teach speed. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't made moves. I think the one thing about Whitehead that's a little bit uh, troubling is he's still hurt. You know, yeah. he's still not hundred. I mean, this guy's been hurt two years uh, with, yep. with the foot, with the foot injury. And I think that's gotta be a long-term concern there, but, uh, I am a little surprised they've not made any kind of move to this point uh, in spring practice with guy looking at a different position, but we'll see what happens on the back half of spring here. We've heard a little about Danny White's desire to improve the fan experience for football games. I assume basketball games as well. Any news or any guesses on what he has planned? I don't have any idea what he has planned. Um, some of that's going to involve in Neyland stadium, Rob renovations. And to do that, you're going to have to raise some serious cash because the millions yeah, to improve the fan experience on the east side and the south side, the first thing you need to do is fix the concourses, fix the bathrooms, you know, widen that out, put some newer concession stands in there. And then how, how do you feel about exposed center block? How do I feel about it? Um, I, I think I think that that we probably moved past um, probably moved past the the idea of um, uh, of exposed center block. I mean, I think we've got enough uh, we've got enough materials out there that we can probably avoid that look at, at some point in time. But, you know, I think part of the fan experience too, Austin is, you know, they're going to go chair back seats, but again, you're talking about spending millions and to do that, they've got to raise money before they can do that. Other parts of this fan experience. How do you improve that? What would be your well, guess? Well, Obviously you Danny White's not sharing. Wi -Fi so. I mean, everybody likes to sit on their phone and look at Facebook or Twitter or 
you know, ESPN.com to, to look at scores or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's very important that you improve the Wi-Fi. Like, the Wi-Fi should be impeccable uh, at Neyland Stadium. How it's not blows my mind. And then I, I, I do – I mean, I know you got to raise money, but that like, – I mean, like, if you're claustrophobic at all, you get those concourses on the on the south side, and I mean, you're going straight catatonic climbing the walls. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a mess in there. I don't. Maybe it's two words, but there's a hyphen. T-shirt guns. <laughs> We've seen enough t-shirt guns to last. You know, I, I think that that's one of those things where. Um, part of the fan experience, obviously, is you, your teams have to be competitive, okay? Because when your teams are competitive, that takes care of a lot of fan experience. Um, but at the same time, too, I think, Austin, you're right. You know, the, the Wi-Fi and, and all of that is important. I don't see them putting a lazy river around the stadium. I don't see them putting tiki huts around the stadium like they're doing in Orlando. But, but you know, maybe – They need the- to add a second Jumbotron hubs. Like, they really do. I mean, like, you look at Bryant – you look at Bryant Denny, you look at – uh, several other Texas teams across the league. I mean, you know, having the second one would, would go a long way in my opinion. Or like at Bama and Texas A&M having, having four. Yeah. yeah. Those corners. Yeah. It's a good point. And that's something that you don't have to raise a hundred million dollars to do, you know, some things like that. So uh, we'll kind of see where he's at when, when Danny White decides to, to do some media stuff and, and kind of talk about, you know, how life is after a hundred days or 150 days or 200 days and whenever he decides to talk and we'll kind of see where some of that stuff is. Again, we had this in the war room, look for them to announce a new capital campaign coming up in, in the near future. I don't think it's going to be designated to one particular facility. I think it's just going to be designated to the general fund to try to grow the budget and, and increase, you know, their, their amount of money that they've got to work with there. Um, is it fair to say that there's a renewed sense of optimism around the program? Level of professionalism and polish the assistant coaches demonstrated in dealing with the media has been refreshing. Very impressed with Jerry Mack personally. Uh, let me say this. I don't think the previous staff assistant coaches were unprofessional. They just weren't given the opportunity to talk. I think Josh Heupel has been smart in allowing the assistant coaches to talk. I think fans want to hear what those guys have to say about their specific position players. And I think that's something that fans like. That doesn't mean that the previous assistants – who were not allowed to talk, but once a year, Austin, that those guys were not polished or unable to handle the media. It was just the head coach's desire not to let them talk to the media. hundred percent. I mean, he, he came from Alabama at, at Alabama. Nick doesn't allow anybody to talk, but the coordinators uh, right around the bowl game. And, um, you know, I, I do think you're doing, I think you're doing your assistant coaches a disservice. I think Nick Saban did Jeremy Pruitt a disservice because when Jeremy Pruitt got here, he hadn't dealt with the media a ton. And, and, and it's just different when you're dealing with it all the time and not just once a year. So um, I think that it's smart to let these guys talk. And plus, I mean, who, who, I mean, if they're selling your program to recruits, why can't they sell your program to, in, in, you know, to the masses and the media? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, I, I just think that that's, to me, that's just, to me, common sense. Like, to not do that, you know, it, it hurts. I, again, I go back, I still, I mean, I think Nick Saban, which is the person that kind of, started the closed practice except for one or two periods don't let your assistants talk that whole narrative across college football i think has hurt college coaches across college football yeah i I mean i think you look at at his tree and you see a lot of guys who aren't ready and and rob on the flip side i mean the reviews from kim english and des oliver at their introductory press conferences and how they've handled themselves have been very polished and very good because rick barnes 
grooms guys to be head coaches. And yeah, it was part gonna, of his belief. I mean, you, you took it right out of my mouth. I was going to tell. I was going to say the exact same thing that you know this year. You know, I think because of COVID, and for one one thing, um, you know, Rick pretty much every week let his assistants handle generally whoever had the scout for that for the Saturday opponent. That assistant, you know, handled the media Zoom obligations, and um, you know, I, I'm sure those guys were appreciative. And frankly, as you know, as a media member, I, I really enjoyed it because you know, Rick, Rick at this point just you know. <laughs> You, if you ask him a two-part question, you got no shot. You know, he's, he might, he might, you know, give you a couple of sentences on the first question, and the second one is, you know, the, the second response he gives is, you know, probably going to be on a tangent. Whereas the assistants really cared. I mean, they they were conscious. They wanted to, you know, put put out, you know, get get a perception out there of what they're about. And like you said, if you watch Kim or or Dez's introductory press conferences, you, you saw a couple of polished guys who were not remotely uncomfortable dealing with the media. I mean, they'd done that before. Their head coach had given them the opportunity before. And, um, yeah, I, I applaud Josh Heupel for, for, for doing that. For, and I, and I, I, I second you, Hubbard. It's not like Jeremy's assists weren't polished. I thought Chris Winkie, the, you know, maybe the, the one time that he got got out of storage was, you know, the, the most personable – one of the most personable coaches that, we, that we've spoken to Jay Graham was, was obviously, a, you know, a really detail oriented, inter- interesting guy to talk to. And, and that's just, you know, again, like AP said, that's on Jeremy. Yep. All right. Uh, what does this staff have to do in order to bring some stability to the program? Is it as simple as quarterback play? Yes. You think it's I mean, that I simple? Think so. I mean, I, I think there are little pieces around that, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, like Tennessee's got to do whatever it takes to fix the quarterback position. If that means taking one grand transfer after spring, you take him. If that means taking three, you take them. You have to fix that position. If you don't fix that position, you're in no better shape than you were a year ago. I don't care how many points they, you know, they've scored in the past. If the quarterback isn't good, you're not going to be good on offense. And we all think that the defense is going to struggle. So you better be able to score some points. So Tennessee's got to fix the quarterback spot at all costs. And uh, if that means, again, taking three grad transfers after spring and letting them battle it out, that's what you have to do. Like, I, I just think that you have to do whatever it takes to fix that position. The open practice on Saturday, do you think that's a coach's decision, Josh Heupel's decision, or was that Danny White's decision? I think it's Josh Heupel's. It's not to say Danny White was against it. I'm not implying that at all. But, Austin, you're seeing this. Rob, you're seeing this around the country. Auburn's done it. And no offense to the fans, this is about recruiting. This is about giving recruits an opportunity to see practice. The only way you can do that is to open it up to the fans. So I, I think this is a Josh Heupel decision, personally. 100% agree. You know, I, I think that, you know, that's what it's all about. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think that, you know, having fans there helps when you have recruits in there because you don't think when Taven Jackson or any other recruit or let's say the Wade twins made it down from Kentucky after they visit there Friday and potentially Saturday, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, you don't think that that – you know, has a big impact when, you know, 40, 40 people go, oh, Taven, you know, or, you know, the same thing to the Wades. I mean, I think that leaves an impression on a 17-year-old kid. So, you know, I, I think that it, it all works hand in hand, but it's absolutely about being able to have recruits come and see you practice in a legal form <laughs> because you can't do it any other way until, uh, until the fall, um, you know, and, and at that point, it, it doesn't matter. 
All right. Well, I'm going to interject my own mailbag, mailbag podcast question in here since you brought them up. They're a, a little over a week away from making a decision, I guess, or about a week away. And that is the Wade Twins, Austin. Um, Kentucky with the visit there. Um, Tennessee obviously trying to get them back down here. What, what's what, Anything new? What's the latest there with the Wades? Well, I, you know, Kentucky's come on strong, you know, and uh, talked to some people Wednesday night, and it, it just it comes down to simply put, it comes down to this thing with Destin in the quarterback position. I mean, Kentucky has, has worn that kid out and made him feel like he's the man. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say Tennessee's, you know, done a poor job because I don't think that's right. But, I mean, like, I, I think that, you know, the fact that, you know, Kentucky's, you know, in his mind, not really recruiting anyone else, whereas he knows Tennessee's recruiting Taven Jackson or, you know, recruited others before him. And I think that's working against Tennessee a little bit. You know, can Destin play quarterback? I don't know. I mean, like, I, if you're asking me in my opinion, you know, I think that, you know, he's not going to come in and play right away. He's going to be have to take several years to develop. But you don't know. You never know. I mean, you know, you watch Josh Dobbs throw those first few, <laughs> few practices. You probably didn't think he could play quarterback either. I mean – Kids get better, they improve, and uh, the kid is a winner and a playmaker. And, you know, if you're Tennessee, you, you do what you need to do and you give this kid, a, a you know, a, a, a chance at quarterback. Um, I, again, I don't think it's over. I, I, you know, I didn't think it was over a week ago. Um, you know, Tennessee's trended well there for a while, but at the same time, Virginia's kind of been holding on because, you know, as, as you know, we were told, Brent, Bronco Mendenhall and his staff have done an excellent job recruiting those kids. But distance and, you know, some other factors probably takes Virginia out of the mix. Kentucky is not too far away, um, you know, with Lexington kind of being kind of equal distance from Knoxville or close enough, um, you know. And, and so they've done a nice job with Destin. And so I'd say six weeks ago I would have said you've got to convince Keaton. <laughs> I think Keaton – I think Keaton's convinced. Now you've got to convince Destin. And uh, the ball's got a week to – to figure it out and get across the and, and get across the finish line with those two, I, I don't want to you know put pressure on the staff, but like you know if, if you put you miss on these two, that's when it kind of gets dicey in my opinion because these two have been rumored for you for a while. Um, you know you you felt like you were in a good spot. Um, you you got to find a way to land them because everything to me kind of falls in place way easier if you land the Wades. If not, then I think you know, it becomes way, way more difficult. Really critical week for Tennessee with those two. We'll keep close tabs on that. Back to other mailbag questions. Uh, allowing for any additional changes to the team roster, is Corey Walker Jr. expected to be a major contributor next season? Is he getting into shape? Rob, where's things with Corey Walker Jr. at this point? I'd be surprised if he's here next year. Okay. That one's been rumored out there for a while, so we'll see what happens with that. Um just didn't see. It doesn't seem like that's fit very well with Rick Barnes for whatever reason. No, um, I, mean, I mean the kid Tennessee was desperate for any inside help for you know all season long, and Corey didn't play a minute. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Another, yeah, and it wasn't even close to getting on the floor. Um, any uh, this simple question here? I think we all know the answer to this. Any word on Eve Ponds? I know it was hard to even come back last year. Is it a done deal? He won't use his extra year in college. Yeah, I think it's a done deal. I mean, I, I, even if he doesn't get drafted, I think he's headed. I, mean, I think he's headed back to Europe to make some money. I mean, the, the kid's married, and I think he's ready to, to get on with life. Um, Austin, do you who appears to be starting in the secondary? Have you heard anything about Warren Burrell and Christian Charles at this point? 
Well, I mean, I just think Charles is uh, an early enrollee. Um, you know, he's he's been a little banged up. Um, you know, I, I think they like him, though. Um, he's got better size than I thought, having seen him out there, you know, doing some stuff. And, uh, you know, right now, um, Alante, uh, it, it, Alante is going to be a starter on this football team who starts opposite Alante. I would lean Warren Burrell. Um, and then at safety right now, it's Trayvon Flowers and Jalen McCullough with Tamarion McDonald pushing. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where things are as of now. And finding that star position or that nickel guy is going to be pivotal. Uh, the guy yeah. who can play that because th- that guy's put in such taxing, stressful situations with what they ask them to do. So um, that's going to be interesting. I thought it was interesting, Willie Martinez talking this week, when he visited with the media, just talking about how – the defense is just kind of an amoeba right now. They're just trying to figure out what they can do before they really dial in on anything. It's, it's, they got a whole bunch of stuff in, but they're not real sure exactly what they're going to be yet because they're still trying to figure out who fits where and, and what everybody looks like. So um, this, this defense is obviously going to be a work in progress, not just the spring, but I think early on in the season um, and all next year, which leads to this question. Do you see this? Do you guys see this year's team mirroring? how Ole Miss played last year, high-level offense, below-average defense. I think if Tennessee's going to have success, they better outscore everybody. That's what I think. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if you guys – I mean, I, I just think – I think it's going to be about can they put up more points more than it is can they get a, a bunch of stops based on where the talent is on this team at this point. And that's just what it feels like they've got to do. Um, the four-two-three ball, are there any transfers in football – uh, that that football's been in contact with besides Bush and Milton, you think with the issue you'd think with the issues at linebacker they'd be pursuing someone, especially with there being a few guys with a ton of Power Five experience like the kid at USC, Jawan Mitchell at Texas, and the Moore kid at Vanderbilt. Austin, I think they've reached out to the Mitchell kid at Texas. Um, I, I think they probably have reached out to Moore a little bit as well. I just don't know how much interest those those guys have back in Tennessee at this point. Correct, because I mean, it, look, if you're making a move. And especially the kid at Texas, you let him in tackles, okay? If you're making a move, Brent, are you not going someplace that you can win and that you can play in a bowl game and that you can potentially compete for a championship? Like that whole note, like, like you know, if you're Tennessee, the, the, the guys you're pulling in as transfers, are you're, you're wanting guys that haven't played and want to play. Guys that have played probably aren't coming here. So, like, you need to find the guys that maybe have struggled to get on the field where they are, they're looking for a kind of a, a new home uh, with a, a new outlook and, you know, the bowl ring or, or bowl game or, you know, any of that stuff doesn't matter to them. You just want, you, you need guys that just want to be on the field. And that's, that's kind of where Tennessee's at when I think when, when you look at their transfers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, I mean, I mean, I think that should be beyond obvious. <laughs> I mean, how, how attractive is this place? Unless you're, you know, a kid, from you know FCS wanting to move up, or you're a kid who's been sitting at the sitting at the hat or sitting behind somebody in a program, and you look and say, "Hey, I'm going to be sitting behind them again, and not going to get an opportunity to play if I stay here." I, I think those are the two deals. I, I, I'm with you uh, both. I, I think if you're a guy who's a starter somewhere last year and led a team in tackles, you know, I, I just don't know that that Tennessee is going to be at the top of your wish list at this point in time. Um, all right, choose one pair: Hooker and Valus. Bailey Weidman, Mauer Hyatt. I don't really know what the point of this question is, but um, I don't think they have any idea what they're going to do at quarterback. Uh, I think Hyatt is the best wide receiver on the team. 
Um, I think Bayless is number two, and I don't know where Weidman is um, or where he's going to be. I mean, Weidman's he, not a factor. Like, he's so far down the depth chart right now, it's not even funny. Yeah. I mean, he, I, can't, he can't even get into a practice, Brent. I mean, hey, like, is he, he going to help on basketball, too? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's got to learn the offense. I mean, he's got talent, but he's got to commit to it at a different level than what he's done at this point. He's got to go from being a raw athlete to wanting to be a polished receiver. Um, and, he, and he's got a lot to learn. And then clearly at quarterback, uh, I think they're a ways away from thinking that um, they got any, you know, what, of what they may or may not have at the quarterback position at this point. All right, onward we go. How do you see the defense using Tyler Barron this year? Lots of talk of him playing linebacker some. Are they talking about outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage similar to last year? Are we talking off the ball? Mike Will linebacker seems like a square peg in a round hole if it's the latter. I think he's going to be their best rush end is where I think he's going to be. He may stand up some. It'll be like the modern-day version of the Prowler. <laughs> like if he, that's what it's going to be. going to be like, kind of like how Denver uses Vaughn Miller. Well, he said as much on um, you know Wednesday night that he was going to be standing up some. He's going to be you know, would have his hand, hand in the dirt some that he was going to you know, be used in a variety of different ways. But I don't think they're going to they're gonna ask him to cover the running back out of the backfield on an out pattern, you know, as a, as a true cover, you know, outside linebacker. You know, I, I mean, he might have some crazy responsibility on a wheel route or something in some kind of funky scheme. But for the most part, Rob, whether he's up or hand in the dirt, he's going to be coming off the edge because that's the best thing he does. And, totally. and so I think that it'll be similar to what you see saw out of him last year in some ways. You're just going to see a lot more of him because he's clearly going to be, you know, potentially Tennessee's most effective defensive end because of his ability to play the run and hopefully an improvement in rushing the quarterback. All right, over and under five football wins next season. I'm taking the over. I agree. You got three locks. I mean, then to see what happens with Pittsburgh. I mean, Vandy's still Vandy. South Carolina's down. I mean, like, you know, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee can get, quote, bowl eligible if they can go to a bowl. Yeah, I'll say over five, and, and like you say, just it's, it's schedule-related, not talent-related. All right, last couple here, and then we're out the door. Why do some Tennessee fans seem to be enamored so much with Lane Kiffin but lukewarm when it comes to Heupel? And they're head-to-head. Josh Heupel has had a considerable upper hand on Lane Kiffin. Do you believe it pertains more to Lane's slight advantage in SEC experience, um, or is it his controversial past with Tennessee? But Because, because you'd – in 2009, Tennessee dated the hot girl in school for a week. <laughs> and, then, and then she moved on, and Tennessee fans have never been able to get past it. Some some have, but the people that are enamored with Lane are enamored because they they wondered what if. What if he had stayed? What what would have happened had he stayed? You know, and I, I'm sure some of you right now are going, well, they ended up on probation. Maybe they would have. Um you know, but the point is, is like, I think it's just because he was here such a short amount of time. He didn't have a chance to truly uh, do anything like, you know, you know, like think about Butch kind of built, 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 and then crashed hard. You know, Jeremy, you know, had a nice year or two, then crashed hard. Dooley, you know, kept having these wins taken away from him against LSU and North Carolina with bad, you know, Lane never had any of that. So, like, they, I think they, there's this what if with Lane that, that Tennessee fan, a portion of the Tennessee fan base has never kind of gotten over. I think it's because he's good at Twitter. Yeah, well, maybe the case. Well, I mean, I, look, I mean, he, he was – fans enjoyed that year. 
because he trash talked and it was so yeah, yeah he, he he just did whatever he wanted to do and kind of told kind of flip birds at everybody and said we're going to do whatever we want to do and and well i'll challenge anybody here's the other thing too he did a nice job coaching that football team that that's that staff and him did a nice job coaching that football team when you look at playing with walk-ons on the offensive line rob they fixed a broken quarterback they had a senior tailback get healthy and have an unbelievable year they're playing with Eric Berry. They turned Dan Williams into a first-round draft pick, right? You got you got Jansen Jackson out there. Looks like he's going to be a star. I mean, that was a fun team to watch play after the UCLA game. Now they were say, other than the UCLA game, they probably didn't lose one that, that they shouldn't have. I mean, they yeah. should have beaten UCLA, right? They you go know, out stand, but but they beat you know they beat Georgia. They, beat Georgia. they had a chance to line up and beat Alabama. And so, I mean, here's a guy that um, continues to to troll Tennessee people. And keeps, you know, he keeps keeps it out there about how much he liked Tennessee while he was here, you know. And he's in the news all the time. And, and I think that's something that that Tennessee fans like because he's relevant. And I think Tennessee fans, you know, have he trolls Saban on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's he's not afraid to mix it up. So I, I think that's part of the enamorment with with Lane Kiffin, and he has more than a slight advantage of SEC experience. He has a ton more SEC experience than Josh Heupel has. Uh, Two recruit- years as a head coach and multiple years as a coordinator. Yeah, and, and also, you know, more experience as a Power 5 guy in recruiting as well, um, you know, in his time there. So, um, I, you know, I think that's why – and I think Tennessee fans are always going to be enamored with him as long as he's around. You know, now, there'll be some Tennessee fans, if he crashes and burns at Ole Miss, they will enjoy every second of it. You know, but there's also some Tennessee fans that are always going to say, you know, what if? The same way, Rob, there's some Tennessee fans that always talk about Bruce Pearl, even though Bruce Pearl did himself in when he was here, you know, but they're always going to be Bruce because Bruce has won and Bruce has beaten Tennessee. And so, you know, that's just kind of, that's just kind of the way it is w- with that. So um, that's where I think Tennessee fans are with Lane Kiffin. All right. Tennessee is supposed to have an open practice. On Saturday, we'll see what happens with the weather with that. We'll see what recruits get into town for that. Tennessee is scrimmaging later today. Josh Heupel will meet the media tonight to discuss that. We'll have the war room tomorrow. Baseball coverage as well. Plenty of things and some recruiting coverage. Plenty of things coming up on the site uh, in addition to this mailbag podcast. But this is going to do it for this Thursday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control Mailbag Podcast. And uh, for Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.